TheCoalition.com, the Urban Gamer's Guide. Swaby, aka Swift Epics from the Coalition.com, and I'm here with David. What's up, David? Hey, what's up? I'm back for episode two. David Jagno, one of the new guys here. Okay, David Jagno. See, I, I didn't want to say your surname because I thought I would mess it up, but now I'm allowed to say it properly. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're listening to Turn-Based episode two. This is our RPG podcast. Uh, it's supposed to be bi-weekly, but, you know, we've been on a bit of a hiatus recently. Um, David was on holiday, and, you know, I had trouble finding a guest. Um, I was going to bring my friend, Mr. AKQ1, for an episode, but um, he was busy. And um, I was going to bring on Richard originally to talk about Mass Effect, but he's been super busy. So, you know, um, I kind of hit a wall, you know, as far as finding a guest for the second episode but you know now david is back so you know things will go into rotation regular rotation from here on so definitely expect the podcast bi-weekly from here on and yeah i'm happy to be back man uh, i love talking about rpgs are you happy to be back oh yeah it's good to be back in the swing of things and getting back to gaming and especially talking with you about RPGs, it's always a good time. Alright, cool. And, uh, yeah, so we're just gonna discuss what we've been playing. Um, as far as me, I'm currently reviewing Infamous 2. Uh, but I also got, um, see, I, I, I was expecting Infamous 2 to turn up like at my house on, um, on Wednesday. But instead, it was White Knight Chronicles 2. So I got White Knight Chronicles 2 before Infamous 2. And then Infamous 2 came the next day. So I was like, wow. But um, I, I really want to get the Infamous 2 review done first. So then I can spend a lot of time on White Knight Chronicles 2, you know, because that's a game that requires a lot of attention to details and stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing White Knight Chronicles. Um, I played the first one. I reviewed it for the site. Um, I, I didn't think too much of it. I mean, it was a good game, you know, it was a good, it was a good JRPG, you know, for the time, and, um, it was probably better than Final Fantasy thirteen, to be honest, so, you know, at least, at least it's got that, but what do you think of White Knight Chronicles? I really liked the combat system, I thought it was really unique, I had never seen anything like that before. Yes, uh, well, I can't remember too much of it right now, but... 
it, you had, it was um, definitely it was definitely unique if I remember. Yeah, you had like action points that you would accumulate over time as you leveled up, and then there were different attacks or combinations that would take up different amounts of action points. And then you could string them together into different combinations of attacks. And every time you did an attack, you would have to time your button press with the image on the screen. So, like, the more complicated attacks, you'd have to push it more. And whether or not you hit all of the buttons would determine whether or not you finished your full attack. So, like, you could have really complex ones that lasted, like, you know, 15 to 20 seconds just to get the attack off. And it would do a lot more damage, and you could combine them in various ways. It was pretty cool. Okay, that sounds good. See, uh, see, the thing is, um, when I reviewed the first White Knight Chronicles, I don't think I spent enough time on it, you know, to give an accurate assessment, and I, I kind of regret regret that a little bit. Um, oh, okay, I th- yeah. I think I had a, a lot of reviews going on at the time, so, you know, that's why. But, you know, this time with White Knight Chronicles 2, I really want to make sure I spend, you know, a, a really decent amount of time on it before putting up my review. Because I don't have anything else planned to review after that, so you know, hopefully I can spend you know maybe a couple like two weeks maybe on that review. Yeah, you know RPGs of course are infamous for requiring like ten to fifteen hours before you even get into the meat of the game. So yeah, and I really didn't get into the meat of the game on the first one. To be honest, I don't I don't think so. So yeah, this time you know I want to definitely give. Why My Chronicles 2 uh, an accurate assessment so look out for that sometime in the future um so what have you been playing uh, I've been playing Infamous 2 like you I got it at launch and I just finished uh, my first playthrough today uh, but on the RPG side of things I've been playing a lot of PSP RPGs cause while I was on vacation I you know had a lot of time in the airport and on the plane and stuff so I picked up uh, Star Ocean The First Departure which is a remake of the first Star Ocean game. They added anime cutscenes and oh. full voice acting and everything. It's uh, it's really good. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, see, this is why it. this is why I need a PSP, man, because I, 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 I've been waiting to play that too. Um, I have the Star Ocean that came out on PS3 and um, I can't even get past the first boss on that, to be honest with you. <laughs> So, but, but one day, you know, I'm really going to spend time on that game. But yeah, I love me some Star Ocean, um, the one on PS2. You know, I really yeah. love that one. Yeah, Till the End of Time, that's a really good one. That's yeah, the third one. exactly. The first two have remakes on the PSP. I'm on the first one now. I'm going to get the second one eventually. And then I also got uh, Lunar, the Silver Star Harmony, which is a remake of the first Lunar game. I think it originally came out on PS1, and it's had a few remakes of its own, and this is the latest remake. So, it's pretty good, too. It's a more traditional turn-based one. Okay. Man, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know whether to rush getting a PSP now so I can play some of these games, or if I should just wait for the the new the Vita, the or whatever it's called. Well, see, the thing about the Vita is you're not going to be able to play any of the games that are only on the UMD because it's only download only. So if there's a game you want to play that doesn't have a downloadable version, you won't be able to play it on the Vita. Like Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, that's only UMD. There's no download for that. Damn, that's a shame. I might have to end up getting me a cheap PSP 3000, man. 
Yeah, I have a 1,000 model gun on Craigslist with like three games for 80 bucks. Well, that's, that's not a bad deal. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look on there myself. Um, but anything else? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Been, like I said, a lot of Infamous 2 this week. Been pretty much playing it nonstop. Okay. And yeah, look out for the review of Infamous 2 on a side note, and um, David will also be giving his second opinion after the official review, so that's something to look forward to. Um, before we move on to our news, I would also like to say you know, something else I've been playing recently. I don't know if you've um, been stalking me on Steam lately, but I actually bought Elder Scrolls Oblivion again. I couldn't help myself, you know, after... After seeing so much footage of Skyrim, you know, I just had to get that game and reminisce. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of falling in love with it all over again because um, this time I bought the, the Ultimate Edition and there's tons of content in there that I never even got on the, the PS3. Like, so there's stuff that's new to me now. So, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm loving that. The potential for mods now. You have it on the PC. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You, don't even, you don't even know. Okay, so let's move on to our news now. Um, E3 happened this week, so, you know, with it, there was a lot of news, you know, I mean, it, it was fairly okay for RPG type stuff, but, you know, you know, E3 is all about, you know, the big blockbusters, Call of Duty, Battlefield, and, you know, those kind of games. Yeah, <laughs> yes, games, of course. Alright, so um, our first news, this actually came out before E3, but uh, The Witcher 2 is coming to the Xbox 360. So, um, as far as this, you know, I, I basically wanted to ask the question, like, because uh, Edward V from the Coalition.com, you know, he's he, he was actually acting kind of excited for the game now that it's coming into a console. But I'm like, man, you, you're only just getting excited for The Witcher now? Like, PC gamers have been enjoying this, you know, for a while. So, like, my, my question basically is, you know, does this game even belong on a console, and how will it play, and will they have to dumb it down? What do you think? Um, I think that the gameplay itself is probably going to suffer a little bit, just you know, because of how games like that, the transition, how it usually happens, like, you can see with previous examples, like, uh, I know Divinity 2 had a lot of problems transitioning and into third-person RPG. Like, um, the first Dragon Age had some problems with the transition. Yeah, And definitely. so, um, I think the gameplay might suffer a little bit. Another big problem is probably going to be inventory management. That's always a lot easier with the mouse. Yeah, you can make the icon yeah. smaller, and you can click and drag and stuff. But, uh, I mean, it's good that they're expanding the audience. That's always good. Because, I mean, personally, I have a pretty decent PC, but I've never gotten around to playing the Witcher series, even though I have a PC, and I would kind of like to. Mm. So. Yeah, I haven't got around to buying the Witcher 2 yet, but I do have the Witcher Um the first game, you know, definitely, I, I can see why, because the first game was actually supposed to come out on consoles too, but they cancelled it. And I can see why, because, you know, the first game isn't very streamlined, you know, um, as far as doing stuff, like leveling up and, you know, creating potions and stuff. It's not, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't be well optimized for, you know, consoles, so I can see why they just scrapped that altogether. 
But as far as the second game, um, it actually has support for the Xbox 360 controller on the PC version anyway. So I guess, you know, they were kind of pre-planning this time, you know, in case they decided to bring it to Xbox 360. Oh, okay, so, yeah. Because the first game didn't allow um, any kind of gamepad support. You had to use X-pad after that. Yeah, I guess um, I guess they were kind of planning it this time around, and I guess they made it more streamlined as well. But we'll, we'll see how that turns out anyway. Um, moving on, Mass Effect 3. You know I'm a big Bioware fan. I love Mass Effect. Um, there was a lot of you know content coming out from E3 as far as Mass Effect 3. I saw some amazing things, but the big news is that you know it's, it's got voice command support. And connect is it's going to use connect. Um, the the guy gave a demonstration during the EA conference, I believe, and you know he basically he was um he was showing off how you can actually use your your own voice to command Shepard during the dialogue options when he's talking to different characters, and also you can um you can use it to command your um, your team basically in combat. So it, look, it looks like some pretty cool features. I'm not sure what else they're planning to use the Connect for. I'm pretty sure it's going to be more than, you know, just voice commands. But I, I also want to know if they'll do this on the PS3 version too. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to buy the PS3 version because I started it on Xbox. And, you know, I have both games on the Xbox 360 currently. So it wouldn't make sense for me to you know, move over to PS3 at this point. But, um... You you still have yet to play Mass Effect, so would you would you actually think of this? Yeah, of course. Uh, haven't played them yet, unfortunately. Um, I think that this is really cool and it's going to be awesome. But if they don't add any other features for Connect, I guess I'm a little confused on why they didn't just do this with the headset. Why do yeah, you see, have to have? See, the guy was wearing a headset when he demonstrated it. He, I don't think he was actually using Connect. So that's so, that's the thing I'm a little stumped about. I'm not sure, you know, how yeah. exactly this is going to use Connect, but Connect is confirmed, though. Okay, okay. Well, maybe they'll add some more stuff. I'm just if they add too much more, I'm just worried that it'll yeah. get in the way of the act, the core of the game. Yeah, because I really don't want them to, you know, spend too much time on the Connect stuff, and yeah, uh, you know, it's just I, I don't want them to dumb the dumb the game down just you know to add connect support basically and yeah. I, I kind of think that you know if, if they if they make it so you use your hands and stuff to do biotic powers and all that kind of stuff i think that would kind of be corny so i'm hoping they don't go that route <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah we we'll, we'll see um they actually gave a date for the game they said um it should be ready for release on march 6th 2012 so you have until then to play the first two games, and I highly recommend you do. Oh yeah, I definitely plan on it. Okay, moving on. Um, Peter Molyneux revealed Fable: The Journey for Xbox Connect. During this point, I was kind of you know yawning and you know I I got distracted from the conference, so you know I didn't really pay too much attention because I just wasn't really excited for this. Um, I still need to play Fable. Two and three. Um, I played the first one, and you know I, I love the game. You know, it's, it's definitely my type of game, but I just need to get into it some more. But as far as this, I'm not too excited for it, um, to be honest with you. 
Uh, what do you think about Fable on Connect? Um, I didn't play the first Fable. I played the second one and got part of the way through it, maybe about halfway, and just couldn't get myself to complete it because I strongly, strongly disliked it. Um, I've heard the first oh, one really? really good. I, I want to play it eventually. But uh, well, as far you, as uh, this goes, because it's totally different than all the others, it's not really even hardly the same type of game. Yeah, this um, is just you know something completely different. But I saw uh, I saw some gameplay footage and saw him talking about it. I thought it looked completely ridiculous and awful from what <laughs> I've seen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even gonna pretend like I'm interested because yeah. Yeah, uh, just out of curiosity, um, what what didn't you like exactly about um, Fable Two? I think he was talking about, or was it Three? Oh no, I haven't played Three. For Two, okay. Two, it was just, it was too simple. It seemed like they tried to make the game just too streamlined. So every, for example, whenever you level up or you do attacks, um, whenever you fight enemies, you get these little orbs. Like, you get one orb for melee, one for uh, magic, one for ranged weapons, based on how you kill them. And then those orbs go into your pool, where you can get new abilities for those different areas. And then there's just, like, four or five different upgrades per area that you can purchase. If you change your mind, you can, you know, you can drain your skills and reuse the orbs to put them into a different area. So there's no really there's not really a penalty or any reason why you should try to build a certain type of character because you can always just remake them. Oh, okay. uh, the combat I thought was really boring and simple because there was like there was one button for melee, one for magic, one for range, and you just hit that button over and over until they died. There wasn't really a whole lot of complexity to it. As far as the story goes, I, I wasn't really that interested. I, I've never been a fan of the art style. Um, there's there's a lot of side stuff to do, but I mean I don't know I just I, I wasn't interested enough to get myself to complete it. For, from my impression of you know the Fable series, I think it's like um I think it's very you know streamlined on purpose you know because it's 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 very Xbox orientated like the game is intended to be played on the Xbox 360 even though there are you know PC versions, but um I mean I heard that the the Fable 3 on PC kind of sucks, you know, it's not that well optimized for PC. So, you know, I, th I think they make it to where um, casual people can, you know, get into the Fable experience and enjoy it. You know, it's, it's like a casual RPG kind of thing. So that's the impression I get from the game. Really. And I think that might be why, you know, I've never really had a strong desire to play it. I mean, I've always wanted to try it, but, you know, I just never get around to it. And I think maybe that's why. So, yeah. Um, moving on. Final Fantasy XIII 2 is announced for um, early 2012. Um, to be honest with you, I'm really not excited for this game. I used to be a, a, a huge Final Fantasy fan, but, you know, after playing thirteen. I was just really disappointed in Square, and you know they're just going in a completely new direction. And also, you know, I have to ask the question: Where is Versus Thirteen? Because that game was announced before Final Fantasy Thirteen too, and you know we have yet to see it. So you know, I'm 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 kind of wondering what's going on at Square right now. Um, do you have any opinion on Final Fantasy? Uh, the last Final Fantasy I played was Ten, 
I have 12, haven't gotten around to playing it yet, and one of my roommates has 13, but they were not a very big fan of it. He never finished it either. Um, so I'm, I might play it eventually one day, but I don't have mm. a strong desire I, to. I would suggest you play 12 and skip 13, because 13 is just awful. Like, it's, it's appalling when you, you know, consider the, the quality of past Final Fantasy games. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, but um, as far as Final Fantasy thirteen two, they at E three they kind of confirmed that you know it would have a lot of mini games and yeah, I guess that it would be more open than it was in you know actual Final Fantasy thirteen because one of the main complaints is that it was too linear, you know, to be an RPG. You know, hopefully you know they'll open up the game a bit more, allow you to explore some more stuff like that. But I'm I'm really not excited and I probably won't even buy the game and. And that's kind of saying something because, you know, I've been trying to collect all the Final Fantasy games over the past years. But, you know, now after 13, I've just kind of really lost interest in the franchise and, you know, I've moved on to to other franchises. Uh, another game that EA announced at their conference, well, not announced, but, you know, they showed some footage of it. They talked about it a little bit. Um, David mentioned this in the last episode in our upcoming segment. Kingdoms of Almanor Reckoning. It, it looks pretty cool. Um, I just wanted to give my impressions because, you know, I really didn't know what to say last time because I hadn't really looked into any details about this game. So, I mean, after seeing it at the conference, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly interested, you know. Um, it looks pretty cool. The art style, you know, it, it kind of looks a bit dated when you compare it to other games. Yeah, but, that's, mean, the, that's the one thing I've noticed after seeing some more of it. It yeah. looks like, wow. <laughs> that's not a good thing in my opinion. I don't like that art style. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just the art style, so I'm reserving judgment. Yeah, I, I think it's the names behind this game that's kind of selling it. Cause, um, exactly. It, yeah, you got the you got the guy from Elder Scrolls. Uh, you got that the guy who writes novels. Um, let me look up these people's names because you know I want to yeah. kind of credit them. Yeah, the Elder Scrolls guy is uh, Ken Rolston. Okay, yeah. He was the like lead guy on Morrowind and Oblivion. Then uh, R. A. Salvatore is the fantasy novel writer, and then Todd McFarlane, the guy behind Spawn, and uh, then. The- Head of the studios, Kurt Schilling. He used to be a MLB pitcher. Wait, um, which studio is actually doing this? Uh, I think it's Big Huge Games. I think. Okay. Or maybe it's uh, I think or no, Thirty Eight Studios. I think might be the uh the name. Okay. Yeah, look it up. Well, I mean, you know, um, do you do you think that you know, EA, you know, they have Bioware under their belt. You know, they have. Mass Effect and Dragon Age, do you think that, you know, they're kind of taking it upon themselves to deliver, you know, that hardcore fantasy experience to, you know, console owners and PC owners now on, on, on a mainstream level? Like, do you think this is something they're aiming to do? Yeah, that's what it seems like. I mean, it's EA, so if they or have enough interest, they have the money, they can pretty much, you know, put their feet in whatever genre they want, so... Yeah, You're doing I mean, a pretty good job. So I mean, if you if you follow PC games, you know you got tons of fantasy RPGs that you, you can get into. But you know, um, EA seems adamant on you know bringing bringing the whole fantasy genre to a more casual audience overall. So it seems it's, that's pretty cool. But at the same time, you know, 
it's it's got to be quality for us to be interested. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the developers, it's uh, 38 Studios and uh, Big Huge Games. Okay. Uh, do you know anything about the game story-wise at all? Uh, just from what I've seen on trailers, it has something to do with you are um, wake up sort of reborn from the dead, and there's some type of destiny system in the game where, like, based on what class or race or different choices you make, you have a certain destiny you have to fulfill or something like that. It's And you have to you have to get your soul back, I think, as part of the storyline. I'm not 100% sure, but it definitely looks, you know, pretty promising. Okay. And uh, did you see the video from the conference? Yeah, the new E3 trailer, I saw that. Okay. And what, what did you actually think of, like, the combat system, like what uh, they showed of it? I think it's pretty interesting. It's like a lot more action heavy as opposed to most RPGs, and I think that could be a good thing. Yeah. And do you think that the um, the Elder Scrolls guy being behind it as well? Do you think that will have any impact on the game? Like, will, will it make it better than it could be otherwise? I think it'll definitely help it, but I'm not really sure. From, from what I've seen, I don't know how this game is really that similar to Elder Scrolls in any way. It seems to be a very different RPG. So maybe he's mostly maybe he's mostly helping with sort of the lore and helping, you know, make the world feel more alive. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like the gameplay borrows anything from Elder Scrolls, really. Well, um, the guy is a lead, lead designer, right? I think yeah, his position. yeah. So, I mean, as far as the lead designer, does that mean, um, you know, as far as design art-wise or design as in, you know, the actual game itself, like the, the quests or whatever, like placement of um, yeah, quests I mean, and probably has and... probably has more to do with that kind of stuff, like the designing of sort of the world and probably how certain stuff in the game works, the different... You know, like the how the leveling systems and how the different AI operates and all that kind of stuff is that's what I would assume he's working on mostly. Okay, well, you know, if he, if he has that kind of power, then you know, maybe it'll turn out pretty good. So I'll, I'll keep an eye on the game overall, but you know, I'm I'm not excited. I'm not too excited. You know, I'm not overly excited for it, but we'll see. Um. That's about all we have for news right now. Uh, if there's any any other news that you wanted to mention, you know, we can talk about that quickly before we move on to our spotlight. No, we can go ahead and move on. Okay. So this week's spotlight is no surprises to the Dragon Age series. Um, you know, I was gonna do Mass Effect as the next spotlight, but I I, I kind of want to get Rich on here for that, Richard Bailey. Because, you know, he's a big Mass Effect fan. And um, David hasn't, you know, played the game yet. So, you know, I, I really need someone to chop it up with who actually, you know, knows the experience inside out like I do. So, you know, hopefully we'll get him on one day. And then, you know, we'll really talk about Mass Effect. But Dragon Age, um, I believe, David, you played Origins, right? Yes, I did. Okay, so, you know, at least we'll be able to discuss that. So, Dragon Age, um, let me f- start off by saying why I love Dragon Age. Um, 
it's mainly the storyline and um, the writing. I'm a big fan of David Guider, who um, he worked on Baldur's Gate as well and various other Bioware titles. He's a great writer. Um, I have some of his books, and you know, I really, I really like his work. And the story of Dragon Age just really grips me. Um, I love how you know they have the whole mages versus Templars thing going on and then you know plus you have things like the blight there's just all kinds of social issues you know and there, there are issues that are similar to what goes on in real life as well and you know just the writing and the dialogue it's just it, it's really engaging to me and I just love I love the game I adore it um as far as Dragon Age Origins versus Dragon Age 2 of course you know they kind of messed up Dragon Age 2 a little bit with the combat um, one of the main criticisms I have with the combat in Dragon Age 2 is um, it's really different from Origins. Because in Origins, you could really plan out your attacks. You could strategize. Um, you, you know, you can use your tactics. You can place your archers over here, you know, at a ranged position. And, you know, have them just rain arrows on the enemy. But, you know, in, in Dragon Age um, 2... You know, because in, in Origins, you know, you can literally see where all the enemies are coming from and you can plan accordingly. You can set traps and stuff, you know, you can really strategize. But in Dragon Age 2, they added this stupid thing where enemies just appear randomly out of nowhere. And, you know, if you, if, if you have an archer, you know, that you set at a ranged position... You know, there's there's actually no point anymore because an enemy might just spawn right next to them anyway. So it's it's <laughs> it's just completely stupid, in my opinion. But I mean, the writing is still there. You know, the the story elements is, are still there, it's still engaging. It's just you know they kind of they kind of took it in a new direction, made it more casual, I guess. But you know, Origins, I, I really love that game. It's 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 up there with I don't, I don't know if I can legitimately say this you know and, and have people co-sign me on this but you know to me personally it's up there with oblivion you know because i i just really love that that first game origins it was just amazing so but would you personally think of origins i liked it a lot i thought it was really good it was um very it 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 was basically like they took KOTOR and then made it into like a fantasy RPG. And so I liked that a lot, how they kept sort of this similar combat system. I really liked um, the leveling, how all that worked, how you could, you know, each class had so many different subsets of skills. You could play the game as a warrior four times, but you could have a different warrior every time. Yeah. You could have like a shield and a sword or two swords or two-handed sword, or you could be a rogue. It, oh man, um, you, you don't even want to know how many times I've played that game through, and you know I, I now have the game because I started playing it on the Xbox 360, and you know earlier this year I, I decided to just go ahead and get the PC version, and you know now I have uh, for the first time I'm playing as a, a dual wielding warrior, and it's just it's amazing how you know different it is, mm-hmm. like depending on you know what what kind of character you build. Yeah, another thing that I really like, which is, you know, just Bioware in general, is how conversations, you have so much freedom in how you interact. Mm. I really like that a lot. But And um, 
I think the the combat works really well for this type of game. I played it on 360, so it was. Um, I've heard it there are some differences, and uh, but I, I still like the combat. I thought it I thought it was really well done. It's yeah. pretty fun. PC is definitely the way to play Origins, man. Like, I, I, it's so much better on PC. Like, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I, uh, my one of my roommates has it for PC, so I'm gonna, next time I play it, I'm gonna give it a shot on there. What what did you all actually think of the writing and the characters and the general storyline? Uh, the writing is really is really well done. It's very believable. Voice acting's great. I love I love the characters. Most of them were you know really likable. The ones that were weren't, I'm you know were probably made that way on purpose. Uh, I think they did a really good job of making them very believable. I think. The sort of nuances, the like small intricacies of the story were really interesting. Like you said, the mages and the Templars. And another thing that I really liked is whenever you met the dwarves, how they all thought that if you lived on top of the earth, you would fall up. Yeah, you know, stuff like that, that was, is just, it's, stuff like that is just priceless, you know. It's, yeah, it's the small, the small details is what I really liked. But the main problem that I had with the game was the overall general story I thought was very, very generic and not inspired. I think, for mm-hmm. me, the reason why is because it reminded me way, way too much of The Lord of the Rings. That's just the general story. How there were um, a group of people that had to, you know, unite the races of dwarves and elves and humans against some dark threat that was mysteriously rising and yeah. you know like you're the chosen one sort of where you have to lead your your fellowship your like little band of heroes and unite them against the threat I thought it was this the general story was a little similar to what's been done before yeah like, um, said, the, yeah like the small details is where it matters the most and I think they did a really good job for that yeah you can definitely um see the influence of in in David Guider's writing from, you know, Lord of the Rings and certain other fantasy franchises. Uh, he's definitely inspired by them. But, you know, what I respect about him is that, you know, yeah, um, you know, in, in Origins, you know, it's this big, you're building up to this big epic battle and, you, you know, you have to gather all the races and stuff like that. But, you know, at the same time, you know, there's a lot of side things going on as well. And, you know, these side issues you know, they have the potential to be expanded upon in future games. So, you know, he did kind of set a foundation that he can kind of pick from, you know, going forward. Because in Dragon Age 2, um, you know, it's it's not this big, it's not leading up to this big epic battle or anything like that. It's just, you're you're this character, you come to this city, and, you know, you're, you got to deal with all these political issues going on in the city. So, you know, I, I kind of like that change of direction they took a little bit because you, you get to see, you know, you get to see other things that are going on in, in this world that Gaida created. So, yeah. So if you had to pick a favorite moment from the first game, what would it be? Oh, man. Uh, that's very difficult. Um, there was a lot. Um... There was a lot of fu- funny moments as well. Um, one that comes to mind is when um, 
when you're with Alistar and you go to Denarim and he wants to visit his his sister. Now bear in mind, um, Alistar is an illegitimate child um, from the, the former king, King Marek, and you know his his brother, who was the actual king at the time, he he died in battle, you know, at the start of the game, kind of thing. So you know, Alistar, he's kind of the heir to the throne, but you know, he has a he has a sister as well, and when he goes to the capital city, he wants to go and meet her, and you know, help her out. And stuff like that She's in real bad financial shape Now um, if you bring Morrigan with you You know it's like Morrigan She always butts in in these kind of Conversations And you know the sister um, Alistair's sister She's just kind of like Oh who's this tart that, you're, that you've got here in my house So it's, it's just little moments like that just, That just made me laugh That of laughter Just the, the British humour Of it I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of, you know, US people don't identify with the humour directly. But, you know, me being from the UK, you know, there's there's a lot of British humour in there. And it's just funny. It's funny to me. Um, but there is, there's a lot of standout moments in the game. Um, off the top of the head, I can't think of any. Can you? Um, yeah, I think uh, whenever... Uh, I try to think of a favorite moment. There's one that comes to mind for me personally. I liked the, uh, I forget the exact name, but it was like the Gauntlet of Trials or whatever. Oh. You remember what I'm talking about? Where there was the, uh, the one like guard that had the giant hammer at the beginning where you had to answer questions to get inside. And then there were all the different souls that you had to go around talking to, solving riddles. Oh, is this and, when you, um, when you're trying to get the, the, um, the sacred ashes. Yes, yeah. The thing, the gauntlet that leads right up to getting the ashes. Yeah. I think that I don't know. Just that part of the game was really awesome to me because I'm a huge fan of the Zelda series, and so it was really fun having something in a RPG like this where you know you had to answer questions and there was like little riddles and there was puzzles you had to solve. Like, there was the one you had to solve where you had to get your different party members to stand on the blocks at different times to make the uh, bridge appear. Yeah, I remember, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. there was the, like, the wall of fire where he made you take off all of your clothing to pass through. And if you didn't, you had to fight him. Yeah. It's little stuff like that, you know. It's, it's There's a lot of choice in this game, and you can do things how you want to do them. But, you know, however you choose to do them... It you know it affects what happens. It affects the outcome. So I really love that. And um, you know an, another part of the game that stand out. I'm pretty sure everyone will agree as well is when you go into the fade at the Circle of Magi. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know a lot of people don't like that part, but I, I think that that part represents real you know RPG gameplay. Like it's it was incredible. You know. Um, you, you can get all these bonuses to your attributes and stuff if you look hard enough for them. And, um, you know, it's just, it, just seeing this other dimension, you know, it's, it's, it was incredible, man. And, you know, there's a lot of lore behind it as well, cause you have the, you have the black city constantly in your view. And, you know, if you, if you read the codexes, you know, you'll understand the black city is where the maker you know, that's that's basically where the blight came from because that was the Maker's City. It was called the Golden City. And, you know, when um, the Tavinta Mages, 
they tried to invade the Black City, but then the Maker cast them away, and you know he cursed them for life, and and that's what made them into Darkspawn, which is what actually created the Blight. So you know st- stuff like that is just incredible to to learn about in the game. You know they put a lot of thought into the story, so that's what I love as well. Yeah, mentioning the uh, mages, another really awesome moment. I liked, um, I remember, I'd never finished this playthrough, but uh, I started a game as a mage one time, and I really liked how that one guy that you meet, you could try to sort of help him break out or whatever. Yeah. I thought that little bit was just really fun, and it was really interesting to see. And then on my on my other playthrough, there was uh, you come across that character again whenever yeah. he was captured and he didn't break out. Yeah, exactly. So he, like you know, there's a lot of instances like that where you know because it's called Origins, there's different ways to actually start the game depending on if you choose an elf, you choose a mage, or whatever. Have whatever you pick, you start out you know from a different standpoint and you know the, the characters still exist you know the, all the characters are interlinked somehow so you know you might see you might come across a character as a warrior but you know if you start out as a city elf you know you'll get to know this character from a different perspective so that's another good thing yeah yeah is there anything else uh uh one other thing is um just sort of a kind of negative thing is uh, for a game that puts so much emphasis on sort of interaction and choice and how everything you do has different results, I was kind of disappointed that the main story doesn't get altered. Like, there's no opportunity to, to really change what happens in the main storyline. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. I mean, you can, you know, alter little things like who kills the, like, who actually slays the. The um, archdemon and mm-hmm. um, and you know if Alistair becomes king or not, you know you can alter little things along the way like that. But I get what you're saying. You know, overall the goal is to slay the archdemon, and that you you know you have to do that somehow. But um, you know, in Dragon Age Two, you know, there's a lot of choice in the actual main story. So I definitely recommend you know you try that out. Um, you might not like it. You probably won't like it as much as Origins, um, even though you didn't even like Origins that much. I'm guessing. <laughs> oh no, I did. I just wanted to be sure that this conversation wasn't just praising the game. <laughs> yeah, that's why I need you here, man. You know, I, <laughs> I need this show to be fair, straight down the middle. So, but do you have any plans of playing the second game? Uh, I mean, it's one of the games I'm interested in you know if the opportunity came to where i had to pick between that and like you know modern warfare 15 i would probably pick dragon age 2 it's definitely a game i'm interested in playing eventually but it's not near the top of my list i have too many others to get through okay um do i have anything else to say about dragon age um just oh uh, another thing is um you know with dragon age 2 they still haven't released a tool set for it on the PC, you know. So I mean, with the, there's all these great expansions and mods on Origins, but you know, for the second game, you know, there's no tool set, so the mods are pretty limited on the, on the PC side of things. Really? And, you know, 
yeah, that that's that's one of the things that could have really helped the game as well. Like, Didn't if, the first one release with the tool set already out? I believe so. I yeah. Believe so. Yeah. I, I know that the tool set was out real early because you know I'm, I'm aware of a lot of great mods that people have made because I actually listened to um, shouts to the Dragon Age podcast. I actually listened to that, and you know they they've always got people on there talking about mods for Origins. But you know, people are very disappointed at no tool set for Dragon Age 2 because a lot of people could have actually made the game better by now. So. Oh yeah, like like people have done with Oblivion. Yeah. So you know, that's definitely something Bioware needs to do, and um, they also need to bring out some DLC or something because they they bring out some extra swords and costumes and stuff. But I ain't buying that, man. Like, just give us an expansion like you did with. Awakening for for Dragon Age Origins, but yeah, that's that's all I have to say about Dragon Age. Um, if you guys want to give your two cents on the game, you know, make sure you leave your comments, or you know, you can even email me at gswaby at thecoalition.com. That's G S W A B Y. Um, we're gonna get an an official email address for turn based soon, so you know. You can email us there as well. But, you know, that's it for Spotlight this week. We're going to move on to Upcoming. So, um, an upcoming game I really wanted to discuss is Dragon's Dogma by Capcom. Um, it seems like a real interesting game. I keep seeing, you know, new content released for this game all the time. Uh, it, it seems like, you know, they're kind of building a... A lot of people compared this to Dragon Age... You know, speaking of Dragon Age, um, it, it seems like they're kind of, you know, trying to appeal to a Western audience. So, what, what do you think of Dragon's Dogma? I've seen a couple of videos of it, and I think it looks really interesting. I definitely am interested in playing it when it comes out. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, what, like, how do you feel about them, you know, um, aiming this at, you know, Western audience kind of thing? I've always preferred these type of RPGs over uh, Japanese ones, personally, but mm-hmm. uh, there are definitely, you know, great ones in both sort of categories, but I think that there's definitely been a trend lately of trying to, you know, more open-world fantasy games, and while it might not be exactly a small field anymore, it's, you know probably profitable for them to make a game in this category because I mean people buy it so do you think that um you know Japanese developers make JRPGs do you think they have a lot of catching up to do as far as you know being um being on par with western RPG developers uh yeah um a lot of that is just because I haven't really played many of the recent JRPGs that really even came out in this um, in this generation at all, really. Um, from you know talking to you and some other people, I know Final Fantasy XIII wasn't exactly received very well. Uh, White Knight Chronicles didn't get very good reviews. Um, you know, Blue Dragon, I remember that came out on 360. That wasn't exactly received too well. I know it was supposed to be pretty good, but yeah, I, I have that game. Um, I never got around to finishing it, but. You know, it was fun for a while, definitely. 
Yeah, I think a lot of the problem is just there's a lack of innovation. They're yeah. clinging clinging too much to what worked in the past and not really changing anything. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you know, uh, at one point JRPGs was all I knew. You know, like that was the thing to play. You know, for me. But you know, since since a couple years ago, let's say about four or five years ago. I've been, you know, getting into mostly Western RPGs, and it's like they they took the RPG genre and just ran with it. You know, they just made it into a completely new beast. You know, as far as Western developers, you know, games like Morrowind, Oblivion, and you know all the all these new franchises coming out from Western developers. So yeah, and and they've added so much, you know, to the genre. It's it's incredible. And you know the, the Japanese developers, they just haven't caught on and you know tried to upgrade, upgrade the genre. So yeah, look out for Dragon's Dogma. Um, we'll post some coverage on that soon. So look out for that. Um, Dungeon Siege Three is out next week. Um, do you have any opinion on this game? Uh, I've never uh, actually played any of the Dungeon Siege games, but I've played Diablo One and Diablo Two, and uh, you know, very similar games. I've played, uh, uh, what's it called? Sacred 2. I've mm-hmm. played some of, uh, Titan Quest. You know, the kind of top-down RPGs. Those are all pretty similar as far as the genre goes. Um, I've, I'm definitely interested in it. it. It's cool to have a, you know, a co-op RPG that's coming out on consoles. You don't really see that very often. So, I think it could be pretty good. Yeah, um... I actually got invited to Square Enix's studios in London to to see this game last year, and you know when they demonstrated it to me, it seemed real cool. You know, it seemed like something I would play. Um, you know, I'm not super excited for it, but you know, it definitely does seem like something to you know check out. Um, shouts to Big Freezy as well. I know he's interested in this game, and he asked me to talk about it as well. So yeah, I mean, it looks pretty cool. It looks like a good co-op game. You know, you can um, the co-op is drop in, drop out kind of thing. So you know, you, your your friend can drop, jump in your game anytime, and you you can start you know working together and stuff, um, combining your powers. You know, it seems like a pretty cool game. Um, I, I don't know if I'm gonna buy it next week, but you know, I might check it out down the road. You know, maybe once once it gets a little cheaper. Uh, yeah. If I had the money, I think I would buy it on Steam, because I know if you pre-order it on Steam, you get Dungeon Siege 1 and 2 for free. Oh, really? That's that's I, something I need to do, man. I'm not 100% positive if they still have that, but I noticed it a few weeks ago. So I was really tempted, but I didn't really have the money at the time. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and yeah, you get Dungeon Siege 1 and 2 to play as soon as you pre-order it if you do it on Steam. I'm gonna have to look into that because you know I haven't actually played the first two games. Yeah. So, but uh, I know no. um, the first two they were developed by a different studio, right? Was it Gearbox? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. Um, I think it was some other. It was a hang on, gas powered studio. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's one. What it says. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, I get them mixed up all the time. Uh, for me. I'm not really sure if 
I like the idea of a sip of Obsidian developing it. Um, yeah. Um, well, I guess for me, they have they're pretty much the king of you know making sequels to established games. Yes, exactly. You know, they got uh, Neverwinter Nights two, Kotor two, New Vegas. Dungeon Siege 3 now, and their one game that they got to do whatever they wanted with Alpha Protocol got horrible reviews, had tons of bugs, mm-hmm. you know, and this, this franchise has kind of been out of the swing of things for a while, so I'm not really not really sure how they're, what's going to happen. From my understanding, um, Gas Powered Games had a lot of involvement with the development of this game anyway, so... You know, oh, they did? Yeah, I guess they... Okay. I guess Obsidian was kind of piggybacking off them a little bit as well, you know, just to ensure that the fans of this franchise will be happy with this one. That's good, then. That's a good sign. Uh, how do you feel about um, Square Enix uh, publishing this? Because this is like the first Western R- RPG, I think, that they're actually publishing. Uh, I mean, that's fine. Maybe it'll... You know, I I'm not sure how involved they are actually with the development of the game, though. So I'm not really sure what influence that's going to have. But I mean, it's definitely you know, it shows that they're trying to get involved with as much as they can. All right. Um, any other upcoming games you wanted to discuss briefly? Uh, I haven't really seen much about it. I've just seen screenshots and stuff. And read a few bits, but the new Lord of the Rings game looks like it could be pretty interesting. Oh, it's yeah. the uh, War in the North, I think is the name. What platform is that coming out on? I think it's, you know, the main three, like okay. PS3, 360, PC. That's what I would assume. Another one that I'm very, very excited about is Dark Souls. What's that? It's, uh, did you ever play Demon Souls? Yeah. Okay, it's the spiritual successor to that. It's not a direct sequel, oh, okay. but it's coming out on 360 in addition to PS3, and okay. it's looking awesome. The developers have said that it's even more difficult than the first one, and that so it's, it's the same developer and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. the trailers. It you know it looks like it's you know the gameplay is pretty much identical. They have the sort of same writing type stuff that you can see from other players. The controls are probably going to be similar. The graphic style is the same. The only difference is that instead of having levels that you go through, like in Demon's Souls, it's going to be in a more open world type of game. Okay. Yeah. More exploration and stuff. A lot of the complaints on um, Demon's Souls was that it was too hard, you know. Like, I never, I didn't play that um that long because I played at a friend's house, so you know. But a lot of the complaints were that it was super hard. You know? Well, I mean, I think that's a good complaint to have if the game is cheap or unfair. But with a game like Demon Souls, where it just rewards you for actually taking the time to master it, I think its difficulty is a good thing, personally. Because it's not the game isn't cheap. It's just very very strict about the rules that it has and unless you get good at the game you're not going to fly through it you can't just you know sit down and beat the level on your first try yeah more more rpgs need to be like that because you know i mean 
you got all these things you need to develop for your character and stuff. You know, it, it's it's good to have a challenge sometimes to to know that you're you're building up your character the right way. You know? Exactly. I still need to finish the first one. I haven't actually finished mm-hmm. it. I have it, but uh, yeah, I still need to. All right. Cool. Um, so, was there anything else, or was that? It? I think we've had a pretty good episode too. If anyone's still listening this long, I'm sure they're getting a little bored. Okay. Yeah, so we're gonna wrap up the show now. Then um, that's almost an hour exactly, so yeah, it's a pretty good time. Um, yeah, look out for the next episode in two weeks. So I'm, I'm gonna try and you know make sure that we stick to that schedule. Um, look out for the co-op podcast which is you know also coming sometime soon um you know we have a lot to talk about with e3 just going on and um i would like to thank david once again for you know chopping up with me about rpgs you know i've been wanting to do this for a long time so good to have someone else who likes rpgs as much as me and um also um we're open to bringing on guests if you're an RPG fan and you want to talk about certain RPGs definitely email me it's gswaby at thecoalition.com um, I'm looking to bring on a good friend of ours Mr. AKQ in a future episode hopefully next time maybe uh, I know he wants to talk about the, um, the Joe Wood situation so yeah, look out for that um, anything you wanted to say finally, David? Uh, no, I had a good time. Look forward to being on future episodes. Alright, cool. And we're out of here. Peace.